Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we are back. We're back for our final episode of the season. Yeah. Final episode of 2020. Lord, Lord, we survived 2020. Mm. We sure (laughs) did. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And that's a blessing. And I'm grateful. And we want to thank all our listeners and new listeners. I know with everybody being on lockdown, we have a lot of new people tuning in because they've got a little bit more time on their hands and I think a lot of people are doing more development and wanting to learn new things so yes it all in all you know it's 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 been a year but I, I it, think the, pod- <laughs> the podcast is rock again. and roll though yeah we're, we're rocking and roll I think it's just a lot of uh it's a dual dual experience we're having a lot of blessings and then a lot of hardships so yeah yeah, so just the the schizophrenic nature of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> schizophrenic, paradoxical, yep. all of those everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. But, but we have a really really a, a, an amazing guest today that um I'm really excited he and I've never really had a chance to sit down and talk. So we've, right, we've always right. communicated you know, by email, social media, things like that. So I'm, I'm super duper excited to interview him. I'm a big fan of his. So, but we cannot start until we first do our music tip. Music so. tip. That's what I was about to say. I was about to say, but we have our music tip. But you jumped <laughs> in first. But it's all yes, yes. So, but this this music tip um, is for my students and for any students out there. Um, Universal Music Group has launched an internship program. Um, They're with, uh, let me go back to my notes, sorry. Um, They've teamed up with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund and they've launched a uh, um, music internship program for HBCU students. So it's, um, yeah, it's gonna be online next year. And so be on the lookout for that. We're gonna put a link to uh, an article with more information on it, but uh, I'm trying to let my students know because all of them are hitting me up. Do you have any internships? And yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. You're doing such a. I I love your tips. I now sit back like a guest. I mean, like a listen. You know, I'm like, yeah, what's the tip? Because y'all, he doesn't tell me these tips ahead of time, so these nope. are always a a surprise for me too. So awesome. That's what awesome. I try to do. Yeah, no, I love it. I like it's like Christmas every time we record. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bandzoogle. From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for thousands of musicians around the world. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online literally in minutes. You can choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates, then customize your design and content in just a few clicks. Built for musicians by musicians, Bandzoogle has all of the features you need for your website and EPK already built in. This includes tools to sell music and merch commission-free right on your website, 
Stream your music with flexible options for music downloads, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send professional newsletters, integrations to pull in content from your online services, including YouTube, Twitter, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team. Not one, not two, but seven days a week. Banzoogle plans start at just $8.29 per month. Yep, that's what I said, just $8.29 per month. And includes your own free custom domain name. Gotta love that. Go to banzoogle.com to try it for free for 30 days. And be sure to use our promo code, MAKINGMONEYPOD, to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. That's again, Making Money Pod to get 15% off the first year. But all right. So yes, we're moving forward with our last, like we said, this is the last uh, show of the season, but we will be back in January and um, we'll be still bringing on interviews. We're going to continue our artists on the rise features Mm -hmm. and we'll still have the occasional just, Will and I talking about hot topics, um, but I'm excited as usual, starting the whole gathering the guest. So it's, mm-hmm. it's fun. But for today, so, so again, you guys know the drill, you know, we only invite the best of the best. We don't, we don't play. Okay. We don't play. Nope. <laughs> but this, this gentleman, um, I believe I got hip to his music through, and we've had this person as a guest on our show, Dwayne Powell, who is just like this music maestro in Chicago. Yes, he's an amazing DJ, but more than a DJ, a connoisseur. And he always sends me like when, you know, there's an artist that I should like keep my head up for or look out for. He sends me stuff. And so I remember him sending, I think he might've tagged me or something. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh! Like he had done this rearrangement <laughs> of a of a Prince song. Now think about this: Prince is very rarely cover- covered, like right. very rarely covered, because well, we know he's Prince, and I think it's a hard job to do um, for for many reasons. But this singer, oh my God, he he took a completely different stance on. Um, when doves cry and it just it it just it's haunting and it was like oh my god and i finally actually heard the lyrics of that song because <laughs> a lot of times you don't even hear the lyrics yeah. but he's more than a vocalist and that's what you know is really impressive i think what you're going to learn and i think in this day and age where you know where things have changed so drastically for music and entertainment this whole need for being diverse and having multiple streams of income and understanding yourself beyond maybe your primary gift or talent or whatever is so important. And I think that he he's, he's doing a lot of good stuff. So welcome, Jeremiah. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Thanks Absolutely. for being on. Yeah. And, you know, I meant to ask you because you and I have never really sat down and talked. And I'm like, I don't like messing up people's names like that's the worst. So I want you to pronounce your last <laughs> name for me because I think which is your stage you. name. <laughs> yes. And I want to make sure yeah, I say so, it. Right. <laughs> so I go by Abia. 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 
love it. Yeah, so that's my last name. Mm-hmm. Um, so some fans or some people know me by Abia, the recording artist, and then many people in the industry overall know me as Jeremiah Abia. So when I first came into the business, um, I was signed to Universal Records uh, in 2004. Five, I believe, and I had a record and a hit, a hit song with Shanice Wilson mm. uh, called "Love for a While." So a lot of people saw me on VH1 and BET and BET Jazz and all of those things as Jeremiah. So I came out with the one name Jeremiah. Ah, um, okay. But the record deal, the record deal was such a hot mess, um, <laughs> and I. I I just got lost in the in the midst of so much craziness, and uh, I um, I left the business for a good six years. Oh wow! Um, I, I mean, I was still touring because of the songs that I had that had made some you know some mo- momentum for mm-hmm. me, um, but I was touring primarily overseas. So I performed all over Europe. I was doing all the big festivals, Hmm. all of that stuff. I was doing that. Um, So that was kind of how I got in the industry as a recording artist. I started much earlier than that. Um, My first kind of um, entrance into the business was actually as a background singer for George Michael. Hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I went I from knew, George Michael to I you. I knew there was a connection because George Michaels was like my, my man. So, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was such a, a dear, dear, dear person. And then I went from him to Yolanda Adams. Mm. Wow. And then Yolanda Adams to Amel LaRue. Oh, wow. So I was kind of bouncing around with all of these artists, you know, in, in the midst of always thinking that I was going to start like had my own recording career obviously mm-hmm. um but i also had this kind of duality because i also was i had studied opera in college so i was in college for opera and then i moved to europe and sang with an opera house for a year and so i've just kind of done a whole lot i mean you know mm. it's interesting because you know in this social media age i had a whole career before social media right <laughs> Right. So it's like, (laughs) so it's like, I've actually, you know, my career has transitioned in very interesting ways. And, you know, 2020 has been such an unconventional year for a lot of people. But I would say that my whole life has been unconventional Mm. because I've had to learn how to pivot often. Yes. Um, Yes. You know, so I, I went from making my Carnegie Hall debut at 20 years old or 21 years old as an opera singer to saying, you know what, actually, I want to do something different. Mm. And um, so I, I moved to New York City and uh, I just started hitting the, mar- the scene as a singer songwriter primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of in the R&B circle. I was in the jazz circle. I was in the singer songwriter circle. Mm. And um, I found um, that I just needed to kind of create the world that I wanted to live in, um, which has been kind of hard because at the same time, we live in a, in a market where people really want to kind of uh, be able to check off a box for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've never right. really fit in the boxes because I'm an amalgamation of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry, I was just going to say, I mean, no, you're so, already dropping so many things and I know Will and I are like, oh, we want to learn more about this. But, <laughs> um, I think when pe- that's what really drew me to you. As soon as I heard your voice, it was like, OK, this is not he's not just sitting up like doing jazz this isn't really just doing r&b i hear so many influences happening here not just vocally but composition wise and arrangement wise as Mm -hmm. well and um 
So I so we're gonna we're gonna I wanna go back because with the name Abia, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. If you could tell us, share with our audience and us, um, where are you originally from, and how did, how did this whole even music bug get in your soul? Like, where did this begin for you? That's a great question. So, I am of a Ghanaian father from Ghana, West Africa, and my mother is a Cuban American. Mm. So okay. I have a very diverse background. I grew up a multilingual person. Um, and I originally came out as Jeremiah only because I didn't want people to butcher my last name. Right. <laughs> um, I just felt like, oh, God, I have to deal with that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it's become very trendy to be African now, you know. <laughs> but I wasn't necessarily... Right. I wasn't necessarily trying to be the African booty scratcher early on in my life. Mm-hmm. So uh, as people would call you when you're young. So I am... Um, that's where my, my, my lineage is. I grew up in the States. I, I never lived in Ghana, mm-hmm. um, but I do go back quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my lineage. And, you know, I just, you know, I, you kind of hear some influences in the music, but in a rhythmic sensibility, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think about harmonics in a, in a very special way. So sometimes you'll hear that in the way I use my voice. Mm-hmm. And the melisma of my singing that goes beyond kind of, you know, the typical jazz or R&B. But you also, Nina Simone did that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, she kind of borrowed from other cultures and in her in vocal inflections. And uh, she's one of my biggest influences. Um, how I got the bug, my mother actually is a classical pianist and singer. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up around uh, a woman who was touring herself and mm. you know performing with you know doing church a lot of church music stuff um she had played she used to be the classical pianist for a very famous opera singer named william warfield mm. who was one of the original porgies from porgy and best wow. uh, so i was exposed you know very very early on uh to music and you know it was a very big part of my life my sisters sing one of my brothers plays percussion so it was always around me um but i think what really got the bug inside of me like saying this is what I want to do was actually Anita Baker's Rapture album. I was a little boy and I remember hearing her voice and I started imitating her all the time. I had a very high (laughs) voice. I still do have a very high voice. And uh, I told my mom, this is what I'm going to do. Wow. That's interesting because mm-hmm. I, I hear that. I definitely hear the Anita influence, you know, not <laughs> I, I don't know if I would have just said, oh, yeah, that's Anita. You know what I mean? But when I as you say that and I reflect, absolutely. And yeah, that that's Rapture awesome. album. I was a kid, too. And I remember Jet, <laughs> Jet Magazine had her. Like I, I would be like, ooh, that's my song, and here I'm like ten. Like but anyway, all right, yeah, well, you know, I've well, taken that, that over. was the first <laughs> song. I, no, no, that that was the that album. That was the first song I learned on piano was uh, "Sweet Love." Oh, so, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Anita Baker influencing everybody today. I know. <laughs> yeah, like, man. Yeah. <laughs> No, Seriously, yeah. So I mean, it there, there's like there, I have about fifteen, eleven questions, but um, <laughs> you know, we, there, there, there's so many other uh, levels of uh, simpatico um, for for me that that I, I just I want to jump on a whole bunch of other stuff with the uh, educational side, but sure. uh, but I, I want you to just to continue because uh, chronologically, I think is helpful for people to understand how you got to this point. And, you know, we, we know you had like those strong musical influences and I mean, d- diverse musical influences. 
And uh, it how did how did that translate into uh, this is my career? Like, I mean, you were going through, you know, your middle school years and high school. And then when, when you get to college, what made you make that decision that this this is what I want to do? Well, I think it was a very natural progression. Yeah, I grew up in a in you know I went to performing arts high school, right? So right. I was around all these singers and doing X Y, which was in heaven for for a creative person, right? Yep. So I was studying dance, I was studying voice, I was doing theater shows, I was doing. You know, I had all of that. It was like literally probably one of the best times of my life. Mm. Um, and then I went to college as a full scholarship opera student. So I studied. Okay. I decided to study opera. Uh, because that my mom felt like this was a way to really, uh, uh, my mom would always say, study to show yourself approved. There and you so go. I was going on this track of like, okay, I need to improve my voice. Yes, I grew up in church and everyone can sing around you, but do I really know my craft? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think also my mom was also pushing me towards things that she didn't get to do. Uh, and so I went to school, I studied voice. Um, I had a fabulous time, I, you know, I started getting myself into recordings, was doing some recordings. Um, and then I went to graduate school and that's when I really learned my voice. I learned my instrument in a way that was just, it has been my calling card to this day, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved to Europe and I sang in Europe. And uh, then I came to New York and said, I'm going to get a record deal. I was actually living in Europe. I was talking to my best friend one time and I kept talking like, I really want to go to New York and get a recording deal. And my best friend kept saying, you should come, you should come, you should come. And I one day just finally, he's like, I think I want it for you more than you want it for yourself. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. I was like, nah. I was like, no. I went and I resigned the next day. Mm. And I moved to Brooklyn and I slept on my best friend's couch. Okay. Wow. And um, my father, who is a doctor, um, who was practicing in New York at the time, he uh, brought me to his office and he said, you've done these things. You've done all of these things. How are you going to make it now? And I said, Dad, I don't really know. Mm. All I know is that I'm supposed to be here. I felt the call to be here. And uh, he was like, listen, I'm going to give you a list of six things that you need to accomplish, that you need to do. And these six things are going to help you. Now, I don't remember what those six things were, but I remember (laughs) two of them. And two of them, two of them were educate. I mean, if you educate, if you want to change the world, educate people. That was number one. Mm -hmm. Number two. Make yourself a business because if you become a business, people don't see you as a hobby. Right. And uh, so he told me to go and incorporate myself. And so I didn't know what any of that kind of meant at the time. Mm -hmm. But going on further into my career. So eventually I was in New York for about two years. Labels started coming out to my shows. The Blue Note gave me my first opening in New York. So I was opening for artists at the Blue Note. Eventually Blue Note gave me my own opening nights. And I started, you know, I mean, my own um, nights at the Blue Note. So that became a name at the Blue Note. So the Blue Note was calling me and I was doing two shows a year at the Blue Note, which was a very big deal. Um, And I was interacting with people. I got to sing with Rochelle Farrell and Olita Adams and all of these different people. And uh, the label started coming out, Verve and and, and Blue Note and all these people. I started having these label meetings. Mm. I eventually signed with uh, Universal Republic. And, uh, you know, the other part was I went and recorded my own album on my own, Mm -hmm. produced my own record and brought that record to the label. And the label signed me on that record. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, which was, you know, not, that wasn't common in 2005 no. for yeah. an artist like myself. Yeah. Um, and uh, I negotiated my master. So I left the deal with my master. Wow. Um, uh, but I didn't take any advances because I was already living as a musician. So I didn't need their monies. So. Mm-hmm. so that was, a, you know, one of those smart decisions an attorney made for me. So I didn't leave and owe the label all this money. Right. Right. Um, right. So I got into this deal. And I was touring all over the place, but I learned that, you know, if you take all these people, you got to pay all these people. (laughs) Yep. And and so I was on the road, I was touring and I was coming home broke. Mm. And I, you know, I was doing festivals and everything all over the place. Actually, one of the first cities I did was in Vancouver, Mm. uh, which is where I am currently. And Mm. so Needless to say, after about two years, I was really broke. I'm talking about really broke. Right. Um, and I had to leave my, move out of my apartment. And it was just a, you know, very hard time because I was on VH1. I was, I did a concert on BETJ. I was all over the place. Mm. I mean, so much so that I had, to, I had to end up getting an office job. Hmm. Oh my God! And I hope people when hear I, this. When, I, I'm so glad you're I mean, saying it this. was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's my truth, you know. And mm-hmm. so I went. I actually, I was working at this office job. So I, I had a. When I was in graduate school, I had gotten a job as a paralegal. And so when I came to New York, I knew I had that skill. So I ended up getting a job, like temping as a paralegal. And I go downstairs. Meanwhile, I'm on 11 million homes every day right now. <laughs> right. I'm on TV. Oh my God. And I go to, and every time for some reason, when I would go to Starbucks, people would always recognize me. Oh. And so I go downstairs at this office building I'm working. And this young lady says, oh my God, you're Jeremiah. What are you doing here? <laughs> and, <laughs> I said, oh, I'm upstairs for a meeting. But right. I was actually working. Yeah. But yeah. it was a very humbling situation. And what I came out, I came out of that record deal very, very angry, very mm-hmm. angry. Mm-hmm. And what I recognized is that, you know what, I needed to own what I didn't do. What I found myself in this label deal is I didn't kind of speak up for myself. I didn't, I didn't say what my wishes were. I was letting people make decisions for me and right. talk for me. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't own that. I needed to own that. Listen, I made this bed and I have to lie in it. Mm-hmm. And so I took some years away. And that whole time I was coaching singers and I was getting calls from, you know, all kinds of folks, label folks, and asking me would I come into sessions and, and, and help them vocal produce mm-hmm. or vocal coach artists. And so I was doing that all along. And I realized, okay, this is actually what my dad was talking about. If you educate yeah. people, you'll change mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, even when, funny enough, is even when I was on tour, I'd be in Russia. And someone would say to me, will you teach me? That kept happening. Will you teach me? Wow. And I was like, God is speaking to me. This is something I need to pay attention to. So even one time I was in Russia, because I was singing in Russia a lot. I was becoming quite a name in Russia. And I was going to Russia quite a lot to sing. And so a young lady came up to me and said, you know, I was signing CDs. Will you teach me? And I said, stick around, just wait around. And so when everyone left, I took her into the performance space and I gave her a voice lesson right (laughs) after one of my concerts. Oh, my God. Wow. And so I realized God was speaking to me and I have an opportunity here to touch people in a different way and use my skills as a vocal technician because I'm more than a singer. I'm somebody who really knows the the art of singing. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
okay. and the voice in a very intimate, intricate ways. And um, so people were coming to me. I had people come to me with vocal nodes and I could fix the nodes off of the voice without them having surgery. Mm-hmm. So I became kind of a, pro- a proponent for the voice arts. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that kind of was about six years between records. And then around 2010, Robert Glasper came to me and said, dude, where have you been? And I said, oh, I've been around, you know, just kind of over recording. I'm not going to record. He's like, no, people are waiting for you. Mm-hmm. You need to do another record. And so we got together with uh, Robert and a couple other artists, musicians that I really admire. And we made a record called Life as a Ballad. Mm-hmm. And that's um, when I met and, you. <laughs> and, yeah, so that's when you were introduced to me. I did this cover of Prince's When Doves Cry. I called it Doves. Mm-hmm. And I reimagined it, I reimagined the music, which is something that I do quite often. And that record became a very big international hit for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of reintroduced me to the world. But then I came out with my last name as Abia. And I said, I don't have to be ashamed of this. I can start using this right. name. Right. And uh, I was like, you know, I can teach people need to learn. They can learn Svet- Svetlana <laughs> and all these other names. They can <laughs> learn Abia. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so then I just kind of, you know, I got back into the recording business. But then I decided to also focus my business into the artist development realm because I realized a lot of artists are coming along and they're not being developed. They have this idea of the business, but they don't have any business acumen. They don't have any sense of technique that, you know, they don't realize that if, you know, they get a taste of the fame, how can they go back to their normal life? They, they can still live as an artist, but there has to be a way to learn how to do it from a strategic way. And yes. that's what I have been doing my whole life. And so that's kind of where it is. And I did, you know, Life as a Ballad. Then I did my album Bottles. And then I had my Grammy considered album, uh, uh, Obvious Things Nina, which is a Nina Simone tribute album. Mm-hmm. So Love that's it. kind of been my recording business. In the midst of that, I've been working with all Brandy and Common and Rojane, all kinds of artists I've been working with uh, on the development side, vocally, but also artistically. So that's kind of where and I, I, I vocal produced the Nina Simone uh, soundtrack for the Netflix film that they did, wow. and um, then I vocal. I then I produce, and I then I started producing records for other artists, and um, I had my first three Latin Grammy nominations last year for an album I produced. Wow. So I just kind of made a world for myself, but it's because I've been using all of the resources that are me. Like, who, what am I made of? That's the things I've been using to create a world and a life for myself and my family. So mm-hmm. I just want to put in, uh, I, I, I'm sure you've already recognized it and, and seen it, but once you started following that list that your father gave you, that's mm-hmm. that's that's when you felt confident to claim the name that he, get, that he gave yes. you. Yes, so, that's very true. Very true. Yeah, that's, very uh, true. that's some powerful stuff, man. And, and um, yeah, you've, You've blazed a trail. That's that's really what when people say, you know, don't follow the the, the well trodden path, go somewhere and blaze a trail. You you just created a whole different situation that is, you know, it's, it's complete unique, unique, and you know, nobody else yes. is doing it any close, any way close to the way you're doing it. But it right. it's a it's a it's an amazing testament to to you know being really listening and following what's true inside. And uh, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say is like you stepped into yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. really stepped into yeah. yourself, which is so critical. And and I think I mean, you had the 
you had the the parents and the guardianship that you know kind of you know molded that and then the insight yourself but people are just now because of what i think covid has done recognized uh-oh i can't just like latch on over here like i gotta really figure me out and i think mm-hmm. as artists you know we had gotten i i you know, I've been thinking and getting still on, okay, so what, what's the lesson for artists right now? Like what this whole COVID is providing so many lessons on so many levels. So what, what is our lesson as artists? And it's like, it's just always, it's just been feeling like we were just constantly pulling away from the craft of mm. artists <laughs> and getting more caught up in the, you know, the fame and popularity and so forth. And so the need to step in whoever you are who knows what will come out of that? And, you know, you're kind of showing that it's all these different branches of this tree have come out as a result of you just stepping into yourself. Um, it's not like you were sitting down, I got to figure out some, you know, different streams, blah, blah, blah. It was literally like what naturally organically felt you. So I just hope the listeners really pay attention to that because you will lead your way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah. you know, as I think your gift truly makes room for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that even in this moment of COVID, I, I again, I'm pivoting again, but mm-hmm. I think I'm pivoting because there's something inside of me. There's an internal uh, dialogue that's been happening of what's next, right? Mm-hmm. What's next? But but those seeds have been planted in me. It's not something that I have to come and concoct. It's something that has been planted, embedded in me. And as you know, this moment has said, made me say, what am I not? What have I neglected? What are the things that I have, I have not? I put I put to the side because I'm too busy right. being busy, yeah. and so yes, I have made a world for myself. You know, so I, then I became a professor at Berkeley College of Music, and you know, then you know, further you know, investing in in artists, right? Yep. Um, okay. But but there are other things that were on my heart that I you know I just wasn't I I didn't have room or time to do. Or I thought I didn't have time to do. So now I'm in the midst of that now. Like, what's next? What are the things that I, I'm going to prepare for myself? Uh, because this is a great time with all the quiet, with all the shutdown, mm-hmm. to be preparing yeah. for the next stage, the next exactly. the next you. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And and you're, I mean, that, that's actually part of the, the, the thing I feel connected to as well. Like, I just got my... Uh, uh, tenure <laughs> this year. So, oh, wonderful! So you you are you got that uh, at Berkeley. So I, I know that 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 felt great to actually get that. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't have tenure at Berkeley, but you know, I think at the end of the day, um, I was looking to expand myself and actually my brand. Right. Uh, as far as how can I reach people? Because see, I went to New England Conservatory in Boston, which is, you know, one of the top opera schools in the world. But mm-hmm. Berkeley was down the street. Most of my friends went to Berkeley and they mm-hmm. were the cool kids. <laughs> right, right. But what right. I did recognize as someone who was like astute vocally is that Berkeley was lacking in that department. Mm-hmm. And here was an opportunity that came to me with an opportunity to really share from like a certain perspective that I thought was going to really change. And it, and it did. I mean, like I became a very popular teacher there because I really was instilling in them a certain perspective and giving them more than singing, but, mm-hmm. but 
career advice, development, because that's what I do now. It's like I'm a career developer, artist developer. Um, And I can do it because I've been doing it. I have done it and I continue to do it. I I try to find the balance between being an artist and also sharing art, giving art um, and and molding art. So that's kind of just what it's been. And now uh, what I've been able to do over the COVID season is write a book. So, yeah. Yeah, so is I have a book, book coming out. Is the book more teaching or is it more autobiographical? Like what, what angle? It's kind of a combination. It's mm-hmm. literally kind of, if you want to have excellence artistically, vocally, and all these things, this is kind of the path that one can do. This was my story. Mm-hmm. And here are some tools that I used to make my voice be what it is and mm-hmm. my career what it is. And so it kind of shares all of that information. Definitely. It's called Inside the Singer's Voice. Oh. Mm, I it, love it. Is it out? Is it out already? No, no, it's not okay. out. It's being edited right now. So I, I assume it'll be out sometime next year. So what I was doing a lot last year was a lot of, I've been doing it over the years, but last year really focused on was master classes mm-hmm. yeah. um, mm-hmm. and really impacting singers in that like open formatted kind of way. And so my book is kind of the segue to that because I think I'll do a lot more of that in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID obviously shut that down because we can't be in rooms mm-hmm. together right now, but mm-hmm. I'd like to get back to that space where I'm, you know, sharing in that, in that Broadway. You know, we need yeah. to have you have you back so you can uh, when, when it comes out so you can promote it here. But yeah. I thank you very much for that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, I'm pleased now. I, I see why I yeah, there's a lot of kindred stuff because I, too, you know, do artist development more so on the side of yeah the business side. And really because so many artists just don't really don't know how this really works, you know, how the industry works, how you really, um, you know, propel your career in a professional way and, and, you know, and how, what the differences are um, artistically and, you know, how you can kind of still maintain who you are as an artist, but like what you said, instead of touring and go broke, like what can we do? You know, how do you have to look at your career? And that is such a missing, there's such a, you know, and missing gap there. And there's so many more independent artists, you know, so many more people who are wanting to get into this and just are watching YouTube you know, clips of people thinking they can piece it together. And it's like, no, you really need to be hearing from people who are doing this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Know, I, I think, I think we're doing a really big disservice in our, in our, in our culture by not educating singers, especially. Um, I, I, I it's just, mm-hmm. it's really shameful because you can't walk into any other kind of realm Maybe acting too, because you can, you know you can be a reality TV star, <laughs> but yeah. but but in the sense of like the voice, you know, which is my passion, I don't know. I find it so disrespectful, actually, to the level of where people have allowed the music to go. Mm-hmm. You know that you know that when you come from a legacy of Aretha Franklin and Sarah Vaughan yeah. and Anita Baker yeah. and Shaka Khan and Gladys Knight and all these you know revelatory singers. And then everyone just wants to be a singer mm-hmm. and they're not doing the work. So yep. there's no legacy. So what happens is the, the music, the vocal arts is, are actually dying mm-hmm. yeah. because the yeah. standard is so low, <clears throat> yep. you know? Yep. And, yeah. and, and so it just, it really troubles me so much. Yeah. No, I, but I can I, be a part of the solution. Yeah. You are part of the solution. You know, you really are. And I've, I, 
I've seen in the past, not so much now, only because I'm not really like scrolling through social media. So you may be still saying stuff, but I have seen you in the, I'm like taking, I post and do, you know, share with people, but I'm, I'm not a big scroller. I always tell people I post, don't scroll. But, but when I, when I have seen your post in the past, you always do kind of reference this idea of, you know, what does vocal artistry really mean? And, and really, mm -hmm. I see you even in your social media educating people, really helping people like, okay, That's it. yeah, like you might have thought this was this, but let's, let's really look at this. <laughs> mm -hmm. What did we just really hear here, you know? So, I well, think well yes, I have a platform, you know? So, I mean, if people are looking to me as a beacon of information, right. it's my job to give it. And God gave that to me because people don't have to pay attention, right. but they do. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's my one of my jobs. Again, if I educate people, I'll change the world. Yes. And uh, I'm doing just that. that. <laughs> I wrote that quote down. Yeah. That, that'll yeah. be going in the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've got a my, couple of these out, out of our conversation. There's something that came to me. Um, but uh, you, you also uh, answered another question that I had about um, what parents, what, what would you say to parents of, of students that uh, that are interested in become in the music in the, getting into the music industry, and they say that you know you can't make money or can't make a living doing music, because I get that sometimes with my students. Because um, I teach mm. teaching over at Bowie State University, it's mm. uh, it's it's mm -hmm. having that conversation, just letting them know that there are ways to survive and not even just survive but thrive being a musician. Yeah, and that's why we have this podcast, basically. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you've answered all that, all those questions with your parents supporting you. That was awesome how you, you just illuminated that. But something that came out uh, that spoke to me that as you were talking, um, le leading with your your heart and uh, and letting your mind support it. So in, instead of because we always get this thing where we're thinking, um, if I follow my heart, then I'm, I'm not being intelligent. Or if I follow mm -hmm. my mind, there's not enough emotion into it. But mm -hmm. if you lead with your heart and then figure all the little necessary steps with your mind, but as long as you're leading with your heart, that's when you know you're in the right place. And that's exactly what you've done. Yeah, yeah I think there, you know, there's, there's an element to that for sure. I think that we lead with our hearts, but we also have to be there's a part of it that's also about a real reality, right? right? There's a realistic component to it because what I've also encountered tremendously in this business is a lot of delusion, yes. which I think is a different factor because social media is promoting a false narrative to people. And so they're walking around thinking that they're going to be Beyonce, but there's only one Beyonce. <laughs> mm -hmm. But how can you be the best you, right? That's what I, you know, people come into sessions with me and say, oh, I want to be this, or I want to do this, or labels come and say, oh, this artist needs to be ready in six weeks. And I'm like, no, but they can't sing a tune. <laughs> so the reality, they, now listen, I get this all the time. People record deals, yes. but they can't sing a tune. Mm -hmm. So the reality is like, I'm not a magician. Yeah. But right. what I can do is I can invest in your artists and put the time to make certain things happen. What I think we also, we lead with our hearts, but we also have to say, okay, well, I love music so much, but do I have to be in front of a mic? Yes. Yeah. Right. Can I learn how to be a producer? Can I learn how to be an engineer? Can I learn how to be a songwriter? There are many facets to this business where you could, you know, make an impact and be around music 
and, and love it just as much. Mm-hmm. But people think they have to be the star in order to, to, to succeed in this business. And that's not the reality. So if I, when parents come to me and say these things, sometimes there's talent and the talent is enough. But are you going to be the front person? Maybe you're going to be the background singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you're going to be a pianist. Maybe you're going to be a guitar player. Mm -hmm. So it's like finding your place within the business. I had a very apparent gift as a child. Mm -hmm. I could sing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but I had to also, to be quite honest, I wasn't that special. I don't think I feel that I had a calling upon my life, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't that special. I had friends who could sing circles around me, Mm -hmm. but what I did is I educated myself and the education brought the 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 greatness out of me where now people are coming to me to learn this thing it's because i did the other part i educated myself you know and i think a lot of people want the quick fix i talk often on social media about the microwave moment and i think that people (laughs) want to put it in the microwave and get this great result on the other end right but it's like but there's all this other stuff to make the process really happen well so that's you know Uh, slow cooking right no you you you've just dropped so many just really poignant points that i i so hope people replay this and really listen yeah and and the thing that's that's really striking and i know we're getting to the end of our time but yep. the thing that's really striking you know when i hear your music i hear just you You know what I mean? And I think this is so Mm. important that when you as an artist, you want people just to hear you. You don't want people to be comparing. Oh, she kind of sounds like such and such. Or he kind of he's trying to be like la 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 and lululu. And I feel like Mm -hmm. in this microwave kind of moments, we're just recooking. You know, we're just heating up what we've already heard. And it's the reason why Shaka and these people were legendary is because you cannot find other people like them. They are who they are. That's correct. Yes. That's correct. And so the more you, st- the, the, the moral of the story to me is the more you step in you, whatever you is, that's, that's where the, that's where it, that's the magic. That is the magic. Yeah. So. I ah, agree a thousand percent. We're at the end. <laughs> yes, we are. Yep. I know. Oh, thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. Fantastic. I've learned even more about you, so I have even more respect. Exactly. More thank dopeness you. on it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I wanted thank us to so talk much. about how you balance family because you're very dedicated to your wife and family, but we don't have time. Ah. Well, we're going to bring him back for the, for the, for the book back. promo. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Thank yes, you. Yeah, we absolutely will bring you back. Um, will, do we have time for him just to shout out his social media and website so people can? I mean, yeah. it'll be in our show notes, but. Yeah, go okay, ahead and so shout yes, it out. How can people get to, to follow you and, and get to know you more? Yeah, so you can follow me at jeremiahabia.com. That's J E R E M I A H A B I A H.com. And that's all of my social media Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Facebook, uh, all of them. So, and my website. Awesome. Perfect. Check him out. Check him out. All right. You guys have a fantastic holiday. Oh my gosh. The holiday's going to look a little different. A little different. A little different this year. But that doesn't mean mean bad because I actually had an awesome Thanksgiving. So, I hope that everybody is you know, still hunkering down and taking care of themselves and, you know, wearing their masks and eating the right foods and getting some movement, getting some air, um, eating their veggies, taking their vitamins. And feeding their spirit. Feeding their soul. Mm -hmm. For real, for real. So, 
All right, Will, you do the same. <laughs> well, and you too, and we'll, we'll all make it through. So uh, we'll yes. see you all back in January. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you would like to join our new artist development program, the 3MB Club, please contact us via email at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your podcast player and leave us a rating and review. Also, please leave us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page. And if you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com.